And that is how we come to God's Word. We come with expectation that God will, through His Word, uh, change, change us, shape us, awaken our hearts, illumine our minds, that Jesus would be magnified as we look at His Word. Uh, that's a habit that we need to have. There's still Bible reading plans out there if you want to grab one. Uh, but uh, last week, uh, many of us were gone, traveling to be with family maybe uh, for the holiday. But Pastor Stan uh, preached and reminded us of, of a, a needed habit. If we're going to experience growth in maturity in Christ, we need to be people who are going to be committed to the habit of being in the Word of God and to being in fellowship with God through prayer. A lot of growth can happen, can it? Not as we just spend time, maybe even 15 minutes a day, in fellowship with God by being in His Word and being in prayer. But that's not the only way in which God intends for us to grow. God doesn't intend for us to grow kind of in isolation. But God intends for us to grow together. And so the second of these three habits that we're going to be going over to kick off the new year is this. Being an active part of a church family. That's a habit that we need to keep if we desire to grow to maturity in Christ. We need each other. Kind of ironic that I'm preaching this on the week after I was away from the church family. Uh, but, but we recognize that there's going to be times where, where something takes us, you know, family or whatever else, takes us to be in a different place. And like I said at the beginning, we do have a much larger family than the fa- family that gathers at 19939 County Highway D20 in Iowa Falls. But uh, it's good to be with the family that gathers at 19939 County Highway D20 in Iowa Falls. This is good. This is family for us. And so we're going to be talking about the need that we have to have a habit of being an active part of a church family. We're going to be looking at Ephesians chapter 2. You may have heard as Pastor Stan was praying, and we were praying along with him just a bit ago, he used some words right out of Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, I think the first 10 verses of that are probably the, 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 the paragraph that best explains the gospel to somebody. If you're looking for a paragraph in Scripture that does that, Ephesians 2, 1 through 10 do a great job of telling us why we need to be saved, how we're saved, and the result of being saved. So earlier on in Ephesians, we're going to look today at Ephesians 2, 19 to 22, but here's what we would have seen had we looked through the rest of Ephesians 2. We would have seen this. We would have seen in Ephesians that what we needed to be saved from was the wrath of God. We are by nature sinners. We're dead in our trespasses and sins. We live like the rest of the world and like everybody else. And it says by nature we are children of wrath. We need to be saved from the wrath of God. We need to be saved by the grace of God. This comes by God's grace through faith in Jesus. It's a gift from God, not by work so that no one can boast, right? So we learn that in Ephesians 2. Then in verse 10, we're, we're, we're reminded that we're saved in order to do the works of God. And then in verses 11 to 22, we see that we are saved into something. We're saved into the church of God. And so today's message is primarily aimed at Christians. Of course, Christians would be the ones who want to grow to maturity in Christ. But my hope is that if you're here today and you do not confess Jesus as Lord and Savior, that you would hear some of what the church is about and what the church is then to do because of who we are. 
And you would say, I want that. And the only way to become a part of the family of God, to be adopted into that, is through faith in Jesus, which we would have seen earlier in Ephesians chapter 2. So the big idea today is this. We are saved into the church, belonging now to God and each other, growing as he joins and builds us together. That's the big idea today. And like I said, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 2, 19 to 22. In your bulletin, there's an outline there and some application questions uh, for use in your family or your life group. And so if you're able to, would you stand as we read God's word? I'm going to pray first, and then we'll read together. Father, thank you that you have given us your word, and we pray as we just prayed in song that you would come, awaken our hearts, hearts that maybe have been drawn aside, who have hearts that have drifted, and hearts that need to be drawn back. So come and awaken our hearts. Come and illumine our minds, our minds that might be flooded with all sorts of distracting things now. Come and and shine a light on your word and shine a light in our mind that we might understand it, but then that it might transform us from the inside out. That we would, because we recognize who you are and what you've done and what that means for who we are, that it would also change then what we do. I don't have the power to do that through preaching, but your spirit has the power to do it through your word, and I pray that you would do that now. In Jesus' name, amen. God's word from Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 to 22, says this. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Amen. You can be seated. This is God's word. We're looking at this today. I hope that through my preaching we can better understand it and that we're motivated to believe it and apply it. Two points only today. First one is this. It comes from the first verse. And point number one is good news. And that is we belong. This is, again, following this proclamation of this is for people who have been saved from God's wrath, by God's grace, through faith in Jesus, for good works, were saved into the church, and we now, who once didn't belong, now belong. Well, that's really just verse 19. Do you see the contrast there in verse 19? It says, here's what you were, and here's now what you are. And there's two word pictures that go along with that contrast. Here's what you were. Before you were in Christ, this is what you were. And now that you are in Christ, now that you trust in Him, this is what you are. See, when Paul was writing the letter of Ephesians, he was writing it to people that were primarily Gentiles, which just means not Jewish. Many of the early and first Christians were Jewish, and these Ephesian Christians were Gentiles, and there had been for many centuries a pretty sharp division between non-Jew and Jew, between Jew and Gentile. And one of the effects that the gospel of Jesus Christ has is that those who even were divided for a time 
One of the things that God does when he saves us is he saves us into one body. And so this hostility that used to be there, this division between Jew and Gentile, Paul says that's gone now. The wall that used to divide us, there's no wall anymore. We're all one in Christ Jesus. Okay, so, so we're one in Christ Jesus, and he reminds these Gentile Christians, you used to be thought of as those who were outside. Like there was God's people, and then there was you. But that's not the way it is anymore. If you are in Christ, you were one time, and here's the two word pictures he uses. He uses kingdom language, and he uses family language. Do you see the kingdom language there? He says, you're no longer aliens. Your translation might say foreigners, okay? People who are living in a land who very much feel like, I don't belong here. Like everybody else speaks a different language. They eat different food. They speak different. Like all of that stuff, they dress differently. You felt like you didn't belong. That used to be you. Like you were an alien or foreigner. Like you were in a land where you didn't belong. But then he tells them, here's what you are now. But you are fellow citizens with the saints. You, who were once outside of all of this, are now inside. You who were once there only as a stranger, you're now in. Like just as much as Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are children of God, so are you. You've been adopted into that same family. So he's telling them that. And then he uses, speaking of family language, he uses family language. He says, you're no longer strangers. What are you now? Members of the household of God. So somebody who not a part of the family, you're a stranger, and now you are part of the family. You're a member of the household of God. All of this changes when you put your faith in Jesus as Lord and Savior. You move from being a, an alien, a foreigner, to being a citizen. You move from being a stranger to being a member of the household of God. We were with family over Christmas. Uh, and for part of that time, we were with my f- side of the family. And when we gather together at this point, there are 23 of us, between my siblings and their kids and my parents. And so there was a house full at my brother's house. And our kids are like the old kids in that age group, and so lots of little kids, uh, a part of the, the chaos. And if you're a part of the Nelson family, you're kind of used to how that goes. It feels normal and, and at home to us for the most part when we're all gathered together. But something happened when we were at my brother's house uh, this past week. A number of things happened, because that's what happens when you have that many people in one spot overnight. Uh, but one of the things that happened is the toilet got plugged, okay? Uh, and all of the expertise of all of the adults uh, involved there could not do anything to unplug that toilet, okay? And that needed to be taken care of. And so a call was made to a plumber. We didn't have any plumbers in the family, and so we called a plumber from outside of the family and invited him into our family Christmas chaos, right? So we invite this guy to come, and it was chaos when he arrives. There's, as you can imagine, there's children laughing, there's children crying, there's food being eaten, there's conversation being had. Uh, one of my little nieces was on a little trampoline downstairs near, near the bathroom, that, uh, and, uh, and she didn't want to get off because she knew if she got off, somebody else would get on, and so she, but she had wet her pants, and so she just took all of that off on the trampoline and is jumping on the trampoline with nothing on her bottom half, 
and we're waiting for the plumber to come. The doorbell rings. Everybody's excited. Kids are running to the door to greet the plumber, uh, and we find out it's not the plumber. It was another guy, a neighbor whose son had just run into my brother's car to tell him that. It, so we just did that. So, so that guy comes in. We're getting insurance information. And then the plumber comes. Uh, and he got less attention because the other guy was getting attention. And the plumber comes downstairs into this chaos, uh, does the work that he was called there to do. But I'm sure it was very awkward for him uh, to come into a family Christmas gathering like that. And I'm sure he felt like an outsider. He was not part of the Nelson family. He hadn't been there with us. He hadn't grown up with us. All of this kind of stuff, that he was an outsider. So there was a distinction between the plumber and the Nelson family gathered for Christmas, right? And Paul's saying, it's like you used to be the plumber, and now you're part of the family. You've been adopted in. You were once a stranger, and now you're a member of the household of God. You were once outside, and now you've been brought in. This is good for us. We're saved into this. And so one of the pieces of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ that I think we can sometimes miss is not just that, hey, I was once saved, I was once under the wrath of God, and now I am a child of God. I'm adopted in. We, we sometimes miss the privilege of being a part of the church of being a part of the family. We we like the idea that when I die, I now know I'm going to go to heaven because of my faith in Jesus. But we forget that in the meantime, God has saved us into something. He saved us into a new family. We are now part of the church. We once did not belong, and now we belong. And this is true for everybody who confesses Jesus as Lord. You might look at your own life and say, you know what? Like, I'm messy, and I don't belong here. I'm going to share a, a quick story um, that was, that's a picture of, I maybe told you, um, uh, well, three, four weeks ago, uh, that on Thanksgiving morning, my former pastor, at the age of 67, just died in bed. Uh, and so his relatively young wife, of course, is suddenly a widow, not expecting uh, to have been a widow in her 60s, and now uh, now living as a widow. And they were a family, they were a couple, who have gone through thing after thing after thing, struggle after struggle throughout their lives. When I knew them, he was kind of my pastor really at two different times in my life, when I was a little kid, and then also when I first became a pastor. And I learned so much from them, and they've endured uh, so much suffering. I wrote this sermon on Monday, um, and I, was go- I, I put this picture in there, and I had this quote from Kay, who is the widow of my former pastor. Did this on Monday, um, and on Tuesday, Kay was severely beaten uh, by someone high on drugs, is now in the intensive care unit, um, and uh, has uh, bleeding on her brain and multiple facial fractures. Um, Kay and Larry had been together raising their four-year-old granddaughter with severe disabilities. He was, she was the daughter of their son, uh, who has been in and out of jail throughout, in and out of prison throughout his life, uh, is on drugs. And it was, it was this son who forced his way into her home uh, and, and beat her. Um, and, uh, and I just, just the, 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 the ongoing kind of struggles that this couple has been through um, are astounding. And 
their ongoing faith and hope in Jesus. Um, And now her dealing with the grief of losing her husband just over a month ago, and now in intensive care um, after what just occurred this past week. But I'd already planned to tell this story of how she wrote of this time, Kay did, uh, of when she was a new Christian in college, in a college ministry. And there was a There was a uh, woman who came to be a part of this college ministry, was not a Christian, but was curious. And after spending a few weeks with this campus ministry group, she said to Kay, she said to her, I'm going to make sure, yeah, you all have such happy, perfect lives, and I don't. I don't fit in here, she told her. And Kay wrote about how she then told this woman, that's not at all the case. I can tell you about my far from perfect life. Kay had come to Christ, uh, I think even either during or just before coming to college. She was a new Christian herself. Was able to share with this lady, life, life is tough. And the only difference between us and between you is that we now have God walking us through. He is our hope. He is our comforter as we walk through these hard times. That lady decided then to stick around and later came to faith in Christ. And then Kay wrote this. She wrote a little story about a porcupine. Kay wrote this. Did you ever pet a porcupine? I did. I met a man who once had one as a pet. The porcupine was trained to roll down a ramp. And at the bottom, he stretched out on his back with his soft underbelly exposed so we could pet him. The quills on his back are formidable and very painful when stuck in your skin, but his belly is oh so soft, like newborn baby skin. I have learned that while it is safer to keep your quill side out, people can only come close if you expose your soft, vulnerable underbelly. Is it dangerous for you? Yes. Can you get hurt or taken advantage of? Yes, but that is what we are called to do. Larry and I dealt with many hard issues in our lives. As we have openly shared our struggles through those situations, God has allowed us to be used to comfort others who are dealing with the same or similar situations. Second Corinthians says, The Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. In life, you will meet people who walk quillside out. Remember, they have a soft underbelly they're trying to protect. God's purpose for us as believers is to show them our vulnerable spots so they can feel safe enough to expose theirs and be helped and comforted. So what have I learned? I have learned that nobody is perfect, but that we are all being made perfect by Him. I have learned to admit that I struggle and sometimes grow weary I have learned to allow my weakness to be seen because His strength is made perfect in my weakness. I am broken. I'm cracked wide open, but trying to let His light shine through my cracks. I am not strong. I can't handle everything that life has thrown in my path, but God can. I have learned to love God and to love His people in spite of their prickly quills. Church, in 2019... Can we make it one of our goals to do a couple of things? To understand that a lot of people that are maybe hard to love, they're just porcupines walking around with their quill side out because they're trying to protect their soft underbelly. And one of the things that I think we could do to help others is we could just more readily confess that 
that that stuff is hard, that that we have some weak spots, we have some vulnerabilities, and in doing that, we can then come alongside people and point them to Jesus and to the Holy Spirit who can come alongside them uh, and be a, a helper and a comforter. Thankful for the testimony of people like Kay, who have been a part of my church family uh, in the past, and hopefully we can be a church that does that same kind of thing with one another, encouraging one another all the time. May Iowa Falls Evangelical Free Church be a church where all kinds of people come to trust in Jesus as Lord and Savior and know that they belong. That includes you. If your life is messy and messed up, that does not bar you from being saved by God, and that does not bar you from being a part of the people of God. We want to love you where you're at. And so, here's what we've seen in the first verse. By His grace, God has made foreigners into citizens and strangers into family. We belong. But then the last three verses of this passage tell us that God is still at work doing something. That happens immediately. We're made a part of the family. Upon trusting in Jesus, we're made a part of the family. But by His grace, God is still doing something. What is God doing? God is building His church. We are being built together. We see that in verses 20 through 22. So if you want to stay in your Bible, look at verses 20 to 22. Verse 20 is going to talk to us about the foundation. The word picture here, we've had the word picture of a kingdom, of a family, and now of a structure that's being built. Okay, Here's the third word picture, and it begins by talking about the foundation. Any good structure is not going to stand without a foundation. And so the church has a foundation. What is it that the church is built upon? According to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 20, it's built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. That's not speaking about the Old Testament prophets. That's talking about those who were uh, following the, the initial apostles who went out and planted new churches, understanding and then sharing the gospel of Christ. Those who would be raised up in churches to proclaim the word of God. Uh, those serving as elders and pastors in those churches. So the apostles and the prophets formed the foundation with Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. Okay? If the building does not have that cornerstone and that foundation laid, the building will not stand. And so the church, a church is necessarily built on those things, on the apostles and the prophets. Now those apostles and prophets, at this time as Ephesians was being written, the rest of the New Testament was being written too. They didn't have that all together. They just had letters that they had received and were being uh, rotated around between churches, right? Now we have all of those letters put together and the four Gospels put together, the book of Acts put together, the book of Revelation put together. We have all that, and that's in the New Testament. The foundation of a healthy church is the Word of God and the Gospel of Jesus Christ. If a church, uh, Pastor Stan was talking about in Sunday school, the way a lot of churches do things is they kind of like uh, test, test the, the, the winds of the culture. And whatever ways the winds of the culture are blowing, then we're going to kind of go that way as a church because that's how we're going to reach people. But that's a shaky, sandy foundation. A, a true, healthy, growing church where people are growing to maturity in Christ and coming to faith in Christ is one in which Jesus is the cornerstone and the foundation is the Word of God. That's verse 20. The foundation has already been laid, but the work is, the structure is still being built. Verses 21 and 22. It says, in whom, this is in Christ, the whole structure is being 
joined together. So there's many different parts to any structure. If you're a, a builder or involved in construction in any way, you could tell people this. If you've tried doing your own projects, you know that you typically uh, fail to recognize how many different parts are needed in order to make a structure come together. You make multiple trips to the, to you know, uh, I can't remember what it's called now, Builder's First Source, uh, or um, uh, one of those places, right? Like, you've got you to gotta go again and again. Even if it's a little home project, I've got to go multiple times because I don't know of that much stuff. But there's multiple parts involved in any working structure. And, and Jesus is at work building the church. He himself is the chief cornerstone. And in him, the whole structure is being joined together. Multiple parts all coming together to be made into a structure. Why is it important that this structure, that all these different bricks are coming together? Because it's here that we grow into a holy temple in the Lord. Now some of you are just starting a Bible reading plan, and you will soon be to the section in Exodus that gives the detailed descriptions of how they are to construct the tabernacle. Remember the tabernacle was to be, as God's people were wandering in the wilderness, they needed a place where God's presence could dwell and where they could come and worship Him. And so they were given instructions on here's how you're going to build a tabernacle. Detailed instructions. Because they needed a place where God would dwell. And now we read of God continuing to do that work of joining pieces together as a dwelling place. Later it would be not the tabernacle but the temple. And now the place where God dwells is with his people, his church. It's no longer a structure with tents and curtains and gold and furniture. But it is the people of God are now where God dwells. God dwells in the midst of the people of God or the church. Growing into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. And this just should be an astounding picture. If you just take in all of Ephesians 2, you were once a child of wrath, just doing what you wanted to do, living in sin, dead in your sin. God, by His grace, makes you alive in Christ through faith in Him. You're now empowered by the Holy Spirit to do the works that God's planned for you to do, and you are now a part of this thing that God has been building now for centuries. This this dwelling place for God. He's the foundation. He's the builder. And we are being built together as a dwelling place for God. And, And we know the day is coming. Revelation 21 talks about the new heavens and the new earth where God himself will dwell with them as their God, right? So, so there's a way in which this is even going to be better when Jesus returns. Because we know the church is far from perfect now, right? So God dwells in the midst of his people. God dwells in the church now. We're far from perfect. It's going to be perfect when Jesus comes. But this is the dwelling place for God, building it up in the church. And so, application for us as we conclude. Application for us is this. That we need to be reminded that we're a brick. This is good news. You're a brick. Okay? That we are, you who trust in Jesus as Lord and Savior, you are part of what God is joining and building together into a holy temple where His presence will dwell. God's plan for making Himself known to a lost and dying world hinges on the church that He is building. 
If you have not been saved by God's grace through faith in Jesus, then maybe there's not a lot of motivation for you to actively participate in the life of a church. But if you are one who has been saved by God's grace from the wrath of God into being a child of God, if you are one who has been saved into the church, why would you not want to gather with those because of the blood-bought privilege given to us by Jesus? And so a good question for us to ask ourselves is, are we allowing God to use us in his building project? We grow when we're in fellowship with one another. We need each other. Yes, you can grow if you are spending time reading your word and in prayer. But God intends that many of the commands that he gives us are to be lived out and worked out in fellowship with one another, in a church family. We need to be a part of the church. And I think one of the problems for us is this. I put it up on the screen. Most of us see the church not as a beautiful family of God that we've been saved into. Instead, we see the church as another activity on a long list of possible activities. I think this is a real problem. That we have a lot of activities, a lot of things that we could be doing, and church goes on that list. And church might be high on your list, or it might be low on your list, but church is seen as this activity for you to engage in. When I think we look at it that way, we're missing the point that church is something that we are before it's an activity that we do. Right? Church is what we are. Church is is the people that have been, by God's grace, brought into fellowship with God and one another through the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Hebrews 10.25 says this. This is what we read. This is our memory verse again for this week. Not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some. Okay, This is, this is a super easy habit to get into. Like, like if your New Year's resolution habit was, I want to make sure I eat more dessert, that's a super easy habit uh, to do. Like I could totally pull that one off. I'm going to make sure I eat dessert at least two times a day. My New Year's, res- like that's the new habit. Not Like neglecting to meet with God's people, super easy habit to get into. Right? Uh, you know, we, we can make an excuse. Like this week, it's, it's this the next week it's that. Pretty soon we're just like, you know what? I can't really be involved in a life group because i got a lot of other activities on my list. I'm just not sure how I'm going to fit that one in. right? And so, so we can easily kind of make church this optional activity and give excuses for why we can't do it. I think we can learn a lot from brothers and sisters in Christ around the world who um, would love to have the privileges we have in getting together with one another. We shared uh, a couple of weeks ago some of the news coming out of China with the arrest of uh, that one pastor of Early Rain Covenant Church. Remember that? I read this in their church bulletin that went out and they posted it online. Uh, This was from uh, December 22nd. So Saturday, December 22nd. This is what they wrote. As of today, 16 members of Early Rain Covenant Church have been placed by authorities in criminal detention. Four have been placed in administrative detention. Five have gone missing. And more than 150 have been arrested and taken to police stations for long interrogations, including pregnant women, children, and elderly people. Nearly 700 members are being monitored, followed, and threatened. 
by community authorities and security departments of their workplaces. Two people have been beaten and suffered serious wounds. Brother Wang Jun, while peacefully and reasonably negotiating with police, was seriously and violently attacked. His head, knees, and toes received wounds in multiple places. After the church lost its sanctuary, he, along with other brothers and sisters, worshipped Christ the Lord beside the Funan River on the Sabbath last Sunday, where he once again was detained. His child, who had just turned one year old, and his wife, I'm not going to say her name, were also detained. Normal gatherings at the homes of brothers and sisters are being greatly disrupted. This doesn't happen in our life groups. Authorities are sending unidentified men to stand guard outside the buildings and residential areas where these homes are located. These men are following members when they go out and preventing people from visiting them. Families opening their homes for Bible studies are being greatly pressured and coerced. Police are threatening them by saying that if they open their homes again, they will immediately be placed in criminal detention on charges of picking quarrels and provoking trouble. Even so, brothers and sisters are still holding fast to the teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ in the Bible to not stop meeting together. They are still bravely preaching His truth and meeting together in various forms to study the Bible and to comprehend God's Word. We offer up thanksgiving to God. As His church is under great assault, He is receiving multitudes, reviving multitudes, of his faithful children. I think it's good for us to hear that, to be reminded of that as we make excuses and as we kind of see church not as this, this great privilege, this family that we've been, in, been uh, welcomed into. We now belong in a family in which we are being built together as a dwelling place for God, that we would more and more resemble our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ that we would function as the body of Christ in a lost and dying world. We have so many privileges. And it's not helpful to see church as an optional activity. This is good stuff. And I could preach 20 more sermons on this. Um, And I'm thinking that this summer we might actually go through Ephesians because I really want to. Um, But here's the deal. Um, Just to make it super practical, in your bulletin, in your life group guide, you can take it out and look at it right now. In your bulletin, life group guide, the back page of that is just a list of some of the more formal ways that we gather as a church to grow together. These are not the only ways that growth takes place. But, but we want to encourage you as a new year begins, recognizing that growth happens when God's people are together. To consider this, here's what I would ask you to consider. This, I know, different people have different schedules and different things are reasonable or unreasonable. But I think, I think it would be healthy for us to commit to, we're going to be together with our church family on Sunday morning. 10.15 is great, but 9 o'clock would be better. right? That we get together, 9 o'clock, we spend the morning with our church family. That's kind of like the, the given part. We're gathering, not neglecting meeting together, as is the habit of some. But we're going to do that this year. We're going to make sure that we align our schedules so that that can be a priority for us. And then maybe thinking about what one other time during the week could I also gather together. Because I need to be spurred on because I can easily kind of just drift off. So is there a life group that I could gather with? Students, children, are you going to come and be a part of Awana? Are you going to come and be a part of youth group? Right? Are you going to meet one-on-one with a mentor? 
Like I need something outside of just the Sunday morning to to help me to grow in Christ. What's that going to be? Look at that list on the back of the life group guide and make a decision. I'm going to make a habit out of this. Lots of stuff on the church website, all of that stuff. Again, these are just formal opportunities. There's many informal ones too we'd encourage you to check out. But all of that is there in your bulletin. I'd encourage you to be thinking about that this week. And also, like I mentioned at the beginning, that yellow insert in your bulletin, we serve together. My personal experience is that when I have put myself out there to do something that I haven't done before with God's people and for God's people, that brings about growth in ways that just showing up at something doesn't. And so there might be some ways on here. Again, just check a box. There's a, there's a, there's a box on the table out there. You can put this in and say, hey, I'm willing to, to give up. And maybe your schedule doesn't allow you to do it some other time during the week. There's stuff that needs to happen on Sunday morning. Okay, That coffee pot in the back, uh, a lot of times I'm emptying it on Monday. Uh, it would be cool if somebody's just like, hey, I'll take care of the coffee pot. Like, And I'll make sure when I come in, because like, you know, donuts have been chosen and there's like stuff all over, I'm just going to make sure that area is clean on Sunday morning uh, as people are coming in, and I'm going to take care of that afterwards. That would be awesome. You know, just little things that you can say, I'm willing to just find a way that I can serve uh, a church family. That's what you do in a family, right? Like, hey, could you get forks out for everybody today, right? Could, could, you, could you clear out the dishwasher? Uh, you know, whatever it is, like that's what we do as a family. Can you take out the garbage today? That's what we need to do as a church family as well. So we, we grow when we serve together. We grow when we meet together. Encourage you to really think through what might you do this year. So we grow together. We serve together. Here's a summary. God saves us into the church. He makes us citizens and family members. And in Christ, we belong and we are being built together by God. And because we grow together, let's make being together a habit for 2019. We just got done celebrating Christmas. At Christmas, we remember that Jesus is called, among many other things, he's called Emmanuel, which means God with us. That's an amazing thing to think about. Jesus, the Son of God, came to be with us, to live a perfectly obedient life, to be a substitute, to be the one who, carrying his perfect record to the cross, would on the cross take all of our sin on himself bearing the wrath of God the Father for our sin, dying in our place, and being raised from the dead with victory over sin, so that everyone who trusts in Him would be saved. Saved from God's wrath, saved by God's grace, through faith in Jesus, saved for good works, and saved into the church. And so one of the habits that Jesus told us to have is that we should regularly, when we gather together, remember Him. By taking the bread and taking the cup and being reminded of what he did, what he accomplished so that we could be made his own. So we're going to do that. We do that the first Sunday of every month. It's fitting for us to do this habit that we have, a formative habit here now at the very beginning of a new year that we would remember Jesus and his sacrifice through taking the cup and through taking the bread. And so if Pastor Stan could come up, He's going to lead us through that. The elders could come up. And as they do that, uh, I'm going to close us in prayer. Father, thank you. Thank you for what you have done. We're so undeserving. But you have called us from where we were and you've made us into something we were not. We were once foreigners and aliens. We're now fellow citizens. We were once strangers 
and we are now, by your grace, family members. God, I pray for any in here who have not trusted in Jesus as Lord and Savior. I pray that they would recognize um, that they're on the outside of something really good, and that they would long to trust Jesus as Lord, that they would recognize their own need because of their sin for a Savior, that they would recognize uh, that, that their own lordship over their life does not work very well. They would submit to Jesus as Lord. God, I thank you for the privilege of being a part of your people, that we can gather together, people who are not ashamed and not afraid to confess that we've sinned again. Our life is messier than we let other people think it is, and we are desperately in need of the broken body and shed blood of Jesus. Thank you for giving us this reminder. In Jesus' name. Amen.